the Edge, everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kill Guard Studios. Hey, hey, what's going on, Bass Edge Nation? Man, it's good to be back for this September 15 episode. Man, it's kind of been a slow first half of September in the Bassin industry, unless you want to talk uh, more or less about Ford Face and Sonar. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, kind of kind of so over this conversation, man. But, uh, man, not to say it's unimportant, uh, you know, but... But there's so many different opinions. You got, you know, some anglers going one way, anglers going a one way or a different way. Fans, you know, all over the place on this thing. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of an interesting conversation, but I think we have beat the snot out of that thing. Um, man, the, I think long story short is the organizations are going to hear from the anglers. They're going to hear from the fans, and they make the rules. So we're going to hear what happens with uh, this forward-facing sonar thing. But we're not going to get too much into that at all on this episode of Bass Edge Radio, but uh, we're going to have another educational show, of course, brought to you in partnership by MegaWare Keelguard. That's right, Keelguard, providing boat owners protection from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. You do not want to not have a keel guard on your vessel, that's for sure. After today's episode, be sure to visit keelguard.com. Peek at their additional products, man. The Scuff Buster, the, the Flex Step, the uh, Battery Guard, Skeg Guard. So many great things to check out there at keelguard.com. So uh, I need to get your comment, though, on that forward-facing sonar stuff You know, going on. Should it be abolished? Should it be eliminated? Or just let it ride? Uh, no holds barred, man. Maybe that's, that's just the way it's probably going to go, but love to see your comments below. Um, the best medium, I guess, that I've heard through all the the uh, conversations that's been going on is maybe limit the number of screens or in inches. Let's say like you get 48 inches of units on your boat. That'd be like four 12-inch units limited to two forward-facing sonars or, or something like that. But, man, I don't know. Like I said above, you know, the organization's going to have the final decisions, and uh, they've heard it all. So uh, they're going to process it. We'll see what happens in the next several months before the 2024 season kicks off but man going on today first day of watts bar um you know be riding into the second day as you're watching this episode but man it looks like there's a few anglers in the top 10 of that eq that are doing pretty well off to a good start based on the bass track this is the uh, Bassmaster open eq stop number seven of nine so after this tournament obviously there's only going to be two events left for uh nine anglers i believe it is to uh pop that 2024 elite series rookie class from the bass opens got a few mlf toyota events you know kicking off later this month you've got the uh, northern division toyota series on the potomac river that's going to wrap up that division then really soon after that toward the end of september you've got uh the Lake of the Ozarks Toyota MLF, and uh, that's going to wrap up the Plains Division. That will lock up everybody for that $200,000 championship, uh, Toyota Championship, the beginning of November. So a good 30-day wait for that down there on Table Rock Lake. Should be fun to watch. But, uh, man, I hope everyone enjoyed our last episode with BASS Elite Rookie 
of the year, Mr. Joey Fuentes. That was a fun interview. He had a lot of cool, cool things to say. And, uh, man, this episode, we're excited to dive right into our feature angler spotlight. An angler we've had here on Bass Edge before. It's been a few years, but uh, I got to say, I you know, I had a little premonition on this guy back in the day, uh, watching his YouTube, watching him. I mean, he rolled through the opens right quick uh, before he started his Elite Series career in 2020. But uh, we're going to get Kyle Welcher, the BASS Angler of the Year, right here coming to the show immediately after this break, man. Talk about his successful season and what's been going on. But, man, Bass Edge rounding out the summer right here in the hills. Western Pennsylvania. Y'all stay tuned. It won't be just another half a second or two. We're going to have Mr. Kyle Welcher right here on the program. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original keel guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion, where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. What's up, what's up? We're back. And we got the man. You can see him right there offline, dude. Welcome back to Bass Edge. We're set with our feature angler spotlight. The Bassmaster Angler of the Year 2023. I see that smile on your face, Kyle. Looks good, brother. AOI's looking good on that face. Yeah, you know, it it, do, it has not got old yet hearing people say it and kind of introduce <laughs> me that way. And, you know, Mercer, phenomenal MC. He'll be introducing me that way for hopefully years to come. So, I mean, it's it has not gotten old yet, that's for sure. Yeah, man. Well, it was great to see. Fun to watch. Uh, very entertaining from, from a fan perspective. And, uh, you know, kind of everybody within the industry, I think, was, you know, just really lit up about, you know, the, the Cobb-Welcher uh, battle. And, and there were, the, like, you know, you mentioned it in in a, in a pod, in Mercer's podcast, I think it was, uh, just a couple days ago about how, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of chance for number three, four, or five to really jump up after that Champlain tournament. But going into Champlain, man, it was it was a wide open deal. And you and Cobb stepped up big time at Champlain. And of course, uh, we don't have to recount exactly what went down at St. Lawrence. We all watched it. All the fans of bass fishing, and uh, you know, you you brought the thing home, man. But how have things progressed since our first? But I don't know. Now you got to tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, we had you on in January of 2020. I believe you had fished an open in 2013, somewhere in Alabama. And yep. then uh, you jumped into the 2019 opens, and it was a four-event series. 
You rolled right through it. You had one, you know, mediocre event, but uh, dude, qualified for the Elite Series. I had somehow found your YouTube. I forget how it was, but I was like, dude, this this guy's pretty pretty damn legit. Like he's and so I was like, I always pick one rookie every Elite Series year to kind of you know get their thought process, kind of learn learn about them a little bit more. And uh, you were my pick going into 2020 and here we are three years later dude you're angler of the freaking year how have things progressed since our last interview i so i remember doing that interview and it's hard to believe it was that long ago actually (laughs) but you know things have progressed majorly in the entire industry obviously for me in my career things have went you know exceptionally well better than probably they should have for for me you know but Ah, i've just been super super fortunate i feel like just you know everybody's got their own faith or whatever but it just feels like some things are supposed to happen and some things are meant to work out and it's like i just it's like whenever i need something to happen it has just happened over and over and over and over and I, i look back and just think about how fortunate i've been and how much things have progressed in the industry and i have really took a big you know, mental stance on trying to be ahead of the curve with new trends because trends are changing faster than ever now. And the guy who's in front, you know, obviously is going to do the best for a few years until the trend changes again. So, I mean, all that stuff is changing so fast in the industry. And now me having a, you know, getting to actually design baits and help with rods and reels. Like that's, that's the cool stuff that I like. And that's what I'm the most proud of is I've had enough success to where, a lot of these companies want some input now, you know, and that's yeah. the most fun part of the whole deal. <laughs> that is very cool. Very cool. And, and it breeds even more confidence, right? I mean, I, right. I remember that, you know, you were, I don't say early, early in the YouTube deal, but man, you know, from, from a guy, from your perspective, I mean, you were essentially uh, an excellent weekend angler, right? Before 2019. And, and you knew you had a shot to do some things. I think you were more in the car deal a little bit prior to that. Yeah. Um, but um and, and, and it's been why I talked about Kyle's a poker player, so uh, he, he doesn't play as much as he did previously. He's more of a bass angler now, which is which is fun for us, so it's, it's right. cool to watch. But, um, you know, you jumped into that YouTube pretty early, putting out some great content. I remember you were up at uh, Chickamauga during that yep. time and meeting a lot of the anglers that had really kind of uh, – you know, territorize themselves in that zone. You know, you had that Gunnersville crew and then all of a sudden Chickamauga went off and then you started getting this Chickamauga crew and you really became a part of that community. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was super cool to live there for a while because every lake, like you said, they have one group, they got kind of a, a click. It's kind of hard to infiltrate those clicks, you know, a little bit, <laughs> but you know, people start to respect you a little bit more whenever you have success. And you know, that, that's one of the weird things about fishing Whenever you start to have success, it's like good fishermen will start to tell you stuff. Like they'll start to expose like some of their secrets to you whenever you're good. But if you're, but if you're not and you haven't had the results, they won't give you anything. They won't give you a crumb, you know, and it's kind of weird the way that the industry works like that. But that was definitely true. I was kind of late to Chickamauga as far as whenever it was the boom and they were catching all those like teen fish, you know, like the 13, 14, 15 pounders. I was a little late to that, but it was still phenomenal fishery big local tournaments a really good tournament scene and it was awesome for me to be able to go to a lake because i wasn't from there and i lived there for like a year and a half right and just kind of see how different it is and put multiple days you know in a row on a body of water that's i'm not used to and you can kind of get an idea of 
fish behaviors and fish, you know, their habits day after day after day and see how the conditions change them. And that's one thing that I think has benefited me a lot is I've got to fish a lot of different lakes multiple days in a row. And that, that makes you a really good condition fisherman because you see how fast it can change and how, how different they act from day to day or even hour to hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we're going to tap into that a little bit too, but you know, there's been a lot said, let's, let's kind of go into this winning the AOI real quick. You know, it seems so natural for, you know, the angle that wins that it's very consistent, right? I mean, that, right. that's, that's kind of what it's all about, but uh, you know, and that's what it takes to be in that contention for angler of the year. But, but really nobody talks about what's the key to consistency. Is it, is it that, you know, a guy's always going for, you know, the win per se. Uh, obviously you're always trying to catch the best five you can catch. I mean, that's, that's right. the freaking name of the game, but, but uh, you know, there, there is some days when you see more risk or less risk, depending on what, you know, you've seen through a practice period. What is it for Kyle Welcher that has brought this consistency? Because, you know, we're going to get a little bit into your record too, man. It's been really, dang good since you started so is that is that something where you're analyzing things a little bit more effectively i I don't know if it's that i just i have a certain style and everyone has a certain style and i learned early on in bass fishing tournaments that your tournament day revolves around flurries like basically there's usually a morning bite you catch two or three of the fish you weigh in usually in the first couple hours of a day and then it's natural for there to be some type of a lull in the middle of the day from like that nine o'clock to 11, 1130 March. I've mm-hmm. always struggled in that time, time frame, And then I can usually catch them late in the day. So I've really spent a lot of time thinking and game planning around how to stay productive and not have those lulls because a couple flurries is how you have a good tournament. You know, you catch right. two or three good ones. Then later in the day, catch two or three good ones and, and you have a good bag. Right. But Day in and day out, being able to stay productive for eight hours. And, you, and you're not always going to be catching a fish every 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But to stay productive and in good water and giving yourself a high expected value of catching a fish, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I like to game plan my days around the adjustments that I like to make on a tournament day. Because having those lulls is what really gets you. You know, whenever you only have two or three productive hours of fishing and you're fishing against somebody that had six or seven, the odds are just not in your favor. So I've really tried to game plan around how to stay productive in those lulls, whether it be fishing current, you know, maximizing the shade bite, you know, making sure you've got a couple of spawning fish around tournaments. You know, if you've got a way to catch right. some pre-spawners early and then I've got some spawning fish in the backup. So when it's 10 to 1030 and I know that I'm in that lull, I can just go pick off a couple of two and three quarter males. And those may not seem like big fish at the time, but at the end of the day, you were able to stay productive during that lull. And I've just kind of, game planned around staying productive for the entire eight hours and that's a very i mean you're a tournament angler too you know how how tough that is to do over an eight hour period it's extremely difficult to to stay productive yeah yeah i couldn't agree more it's a great a great way to look at that a little bit different than i think a lot uh, you know some other anglers might look at that you know they're gonna maybe stay in an area where they caught you know, two or three good ones quick and, and right. just try to hope they're milking through. Seems like you're, you know, one step up ahead of that on a, you know, trying to keep that productivity instead of hoping the productivity yep. lasts for you. So, so very right. interesting on that. Um, great tip. Let's see. Uh, 
you know, I was talking a little bit about your consistency throughout. I mean, if, if somebody really digs in your performance, even through your Opens in 2019, then, you know, you came out of the Elite Series, bang, top 10 on St. John's. I was I was patting myself on the back that day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I knew that, I knew this guy was going to catch. But, you, you know, you had a great, great event all, all the way through really 2021. You had a great, you know, a very solid AOI finish. But at the end of 2021, even though you had a good AOI, you had two tough events. Two tough events, those two smallmouth tournaments kind of snubbed you. Then you went on to start two events before that 2022 Classic that you finished second place on, and you had two snubs there. Uh, two Florida events kind of, you know, dug into you a little bit. But really, yep. man, those those four events between 2021 and 2022 are really your only consistent hiccups. Um, I'm really interested to understand, did you learn something through that process that then led you to maybe a solid classic finish? And although you didn't light it on fire the rest of 2022, dude, you didn't have any bombs. Right. I mean, if you don't have the two bombs in the beginning of 2022, before that second place classic, you've got four classics in a row, right? Right. Yeah. So, so is there something that you picked up through that that's kind of led you to where you are today? That That's kind of where I'm headed with that. You know, I really I would say in those four tournaments, I kind of relearned some lessons that I already knew. And okay. those are the mistakes that really make you mad and really frustrate you is whenever you you make a mistake that you've made before. But it's almost natural whenever you're in a mental sport, you can only keep up. Because, I mean, like, focus is fluid. Confidence is fluid. These things that make the fishing industry, like, that's how you, that's what gives you success in the fishing industry. It's not like whenever you figure out how to have confidence, you have it for right. 20 years. Right. It's, it's up and down all day, every day. So I kind of relearned some things or kind of, I feel like it's necessary to make mistakes because you realize why you do the little things right whenever you make mm. mistakes that really affect you. So I went Champlain. Whenever I had that bad, the, the first bad tournament, then I went to St. Lawrence. Champlain, I had some had some issues that, that hurt me. That was kind of out of my control. And then it made me go to St. Lawrence. So I went to St. Lawrence, and there was nothing that could happen where I could miss the Classic. I knew I was going to make the Classic, like, period. So I didn't really have a lot to fish for. And that's not usually my style is to kind of lay up. And on day one of that tournament, I ran 95 miles all the way down to the lake. I caught a good bag on day one, not a great bag, like 18 pounds, but going out of Waddington, 18 pounds is pretty good. On day two, I decided to kind of stay in the river and just try to catch enough to get, get 10 grand. And I never fished like that. I fished like that one time ever. And it bit me in the butt. I knew better than to do it. I, sh- I should have never done it. It's a mental mistake. I, I mean, it was, it was an obvious decision on paper as you, you, you have to do what you did on day one to catch a good bag. And you had a longer day. It would have been good, but I made a mental mistake going into Florida got just enough good bites in practice to really make me want to force something. And that's not my style either. I'm a run and gun, jump around type of person. So I forced it. So it was really three mental mistake tournaments in a row, even though, you know, they were six months apart in the middle of some of them, but it was mental mistakes of lessons that I've learned over and over and over and over. And the good thing about chasing a dream like bass fishing is we're all naturally a little bit hard-headed so i had to i gotta learn them mistakes it seems like every year or two i need to learn that lesson again because for some reason i can't remember but just 
that was mental mental mistakes that I made in those three tournaments. And it, but it's easy whenever you're you're in kind of the middle of a bad run, it's very hard to make perfect decisions because mm. it's natural to second guess things. It's natural to think, you know, like if I go over here, it's too high risk. I don't want to do that. Whenever you know, normally me, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that if I feel like it's my best shot at doing well. So, you know, when you're in the middle of the slump, it's very hard to get out of it and those are just lessons that I feel like I had to learn again. And no doubt that made me do better this year is having, having the tough time last year. And it's like Champlain this year had a really bad day one. And then we had an off day. That's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me was have that off day. Let me, let me get back in the zone and let me, let me get it back under control. So those kind of things are natural and it's good to happen as long as you can write the ship and come out better on the other side. Yeah, absolutely, man. From a fan, from from my perspective and watching everything went down, to to me, not knowing all the details about your entire year, uh, but from what I was able to see and you watch on live and and uh, you you're able to follow people's progression and and uh, man, that was that day one at Champlain. Um, dude, you kept it together when a lot was on the line, obviously. Uh, I remember it was like one o'clock. You had like 15 pounds, uh, 14, 14, 15 pounds. And, and you came through that day. But the key to that is you didn't. And you and I think you came through with like, what, 16, 17, maybe 16. 18, 16 pounds, which not not real good. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was it was a rough day. But, man, you turned it around. And that was to me, from my vision from what I could see in the world of bass fishing from this computer right here, that was Welcher's AOI right there. He came yeah. back on day two, or day two, which was the third day of the tournament, had a cancellation, whatever, had, what, 20 pounds. Then got even stronger day three at 21 pounds. Yep. Missed the top 10, I believe, but but still, dude, that was, that was fire, dude. What was going on in your head through that process? You know, that was that was one of those tournaments where I had a pretty solid practice, not like a, I'm going to catch four pounders everywhere I stop practice. But I, I, I definitely figured out the deal, you know, that everybody else figured out. But I had a couple areas that were sneaky that other people mm. didn't have. And day one, I'm boat number 90 and I get to my spot and there's there's a boat on everywhere I want to stop. Like literally every place that I thought, and I hadn't seen no boats in practice. I feel like I got, I'm going to be able to just, you know, milk them and run around everywhere. And there's a boat everywhere that I, everywhere I had them. So I pull up on day one and my practice was just good enough where I felt like 18 or 19 pounds should come pretty easy, which sounds like a lot, but on Champlain, when you're in the right area, 18 pounds is not much, you know, like catching over 20, very difficult on Champlain. But if you're in the, in the optimal area, 18 pounds is going to happen on Champlain. So I get there and like, so I, I just kind of was rushing it. And like my first fish I catch is like a, almost a three pounder. And I'm like, in, in my head, I'm like, I, I still got to call that one, you know? So I throw it in live well. And then I catch my next one. It's like a three and a half. And I'm like, I still kind of need to call that one, you know? So it's just, I never got off to a good start with fish that I thought were, you know, kind of let me lock in and expand and, you know, just, just fish, fish well and fish free. And on day one, I had the bites and I, I just, I didn't make the right bait adjustment. And then, so I was get I was throwing these schools of fish and they're biting and they're biting everything I'm throwing, but they're not committing to it in a way, you know, how small mouth are. 
large mouth have a vacuum in their mouth. When you open it, they suck the bait in. Small mouth and spots are completely different. They can peck the bait and not get it unless they want it. So I'm throwing a lot of baits to them and they're biting it, but I'm not hooking them. So during the off day, I made a couple of bait adjustments and went back to my areas and fished just a lot. I got off to a better tempo on, mm-hmm. on day two. So actually on day two, I ran around to like 10 o'clock and didn't hardly catch anything. Then I finally pulled up to a spot and caught like a four pounder and then a three and three quarter, then a four and a half. So now we're being productive with the right size fish. So right. you don't need eight hours, you know, to catch 20 pounds. You just need to be around the three and three quarter pluses, you know, and that, and, and that's, that's kind of what I found on day two with the right bait and they ended up catching them. But I really believe exactly what you said. That's the day to turn it around. And that's what made the AOI for me this year. But it was just, I got rushed on day one, couldn't get on a lot of stuff. And after practice, you've got so many spots where you caught them in practice. You know, you got 14, 15 different spots where you think that you got a chance to catch a four pounder. Sure. And instead of settling down and saying, okay, the fish are here. How do I make them bite? I just run to the next spot. Cause they'll be biting there and I get there and they're not really. And I run to the next spot and then I run to the next spot and I run to the next spot and I pick up one here and there. But the whole, the whole point of being a pro bass fisherman is practice is about locating the fish. Tournament day is about figuring out how to catch them. And I didn't do my job that day. I didn't figure out how to catch them on day one. On day two, I did. I, I had found them in practice. I just didn't settle down and make that right adjustment. And it was just, you know, I was a little bit rushed and I just didn't make the right decisions and i didn't make the right adjustments yeah well once once you had that momentum going after that you know difficult day one kind of got that reset and then you know kind of got that momentum really pushing in the right direction and when, when you were going to st lawrence i was like somebody gotta take it from kyle because i, I yeah. think he i think he's rolling so it, it was great to see it was fun to watch man i really felt like i was dialed dialed in on some feeling right there but but um man since 2019 and you talked about it a little bit there in our previous question but what has been the sports changed dramatically in the last four years right right but what has been the most fundamental aspect of the game that you've kept kind of even throughout this process that has you now successful today that you learned prior to you know forward-facing sonar and all these things that are new in the sport since 2019. So for me, I fish with a certain tempo and it's because it's because of where I grew up fishing. I grew up fishing kind of grindery type of lakes and rivers and stuff. And, you know, if you get a bite every 30 or 45 minutes, you're you're pretty much on them, you you know, where I grew up. So for me, I have a certain tempo to the, to kind of the, the different, spots that I fish and whenever I pull up and areas that I move through and how fast I need to get bites to stay focused, you know, and everybody talks about the flow state and being in the zone and all that type of stuff that varies from person to person. Yeah. For me, if I'm getting a bite every 45 minutes, I'm a hundred percent focused because that's, that's what I'm used to. That's what I grew up doing. Other people, maybe they need bites more often. Some people maybe they need them less often, but for me, I fish with a certain tempo, whether it's offshore brush or offshore, ledges or shallow or boat docks or whatever there's a certain time frame where if i haven't got a bite i'm gonna make adjustments and i start to lose confidence and that's something that i've had ever since i was young and i still have it today it's just it's just the tempo that i fish with and that it doesn't it's not the same for everybody everybody has a different style but for me that's one of the most important things that i do is 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 fish fish at a certain pace 
I like that. I like that. It's it's, uh, it's important because it's comfortability process. It's a confidence process, right? If, you, yep. if you're confident in that tempo and how things are developing, you're going to stick with it. Otherwise, you get maybe running around a little bit. Even though you had tempo yep. at Champlain, you got off kilter a little bit just because it wasn't the right size you thought you needed to yep. to feel comfortable. So very, very good, very good uh, enlightening statement right there, of course, man. Closing out the title uh, of AOI for 2023. What surprised you the most? I mean, you're a couple weeks into this thing. Pro con, what, what's what's a pro and what's a con uh, as you get settled back here in in Alabama and kind of more not yet normal. You know, you still is everything still fresh. I, I think I lost you there, Kyle. Hey, yeah, I got you. Do you need? Um, a- go ahead. I, I don't. I, I got a phone call. Sorry about that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I'm sure it happens all the time right <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> but um. What 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 uh, what have you seen that that's been real positive about what's going on, and, and maybe something that you're like, man, I didn't really think that this would happen, uh, you know, once I won, a, you know, a title yep. such as Angler of the Year. Yeah. So the number one positive is like I'm gonna throw you in there, for example. You know, I've had <laughs> a lot of people that I feel like are in my corner from the beginning, and they're like, man. Just give this guy some time, you know, give him some time. He's going to do some stuff, you know. And there's there's a lot of people like that from, you know, local level all the way up to, you know, people that work for Bass or my sponsors that believe in me, all that type of stuff. You know, like so there, a lot of times, dude, those people that are you're the closest to, they're your biggest supporters. And they're the people that are fighting for you in the shadows. Like, man, I'm telling you, just wait, just wait. Yep. And to see all them, you know, come back and be like, man, I knew it was going to happen. I never doubted you that's the biggest positive of all of it, you know, and, and, you know, the, the con now is there's some pressure to back (laughs) it up. You know, you got to go back it up and it's easy to get complacent whenever you win a a title like this or the classic or even some elites or stuff like that. Like, you know, guys who win an elite, they only make the top 50 cut in the following elite, like under 70% of the time. I mean, like 70, almost 70% of the time, they don't make the, the 50 cut in the right. following tournament. It's right. like whenever you have a massive high like that, it's hard to keep the pace. Yep. So, Especially if it's on a back-to-back. You see that a lot where it you just see, falls yep. off bad. You, you see it a lot. So for me, it's just staying right mentally, being super prepared for next year. But, I mean, it's a lot to back up going into next year and to go have a solid year. And you, and you see it a lot. I mean, guys went AOI, then the next year don't even make the classic. And it's like, it's not anything against them. It's like it's it's almost a – it's a goal that is not even achievable every single year that we're trying to, to replicate. And it's not possible. And understanding that just, just going out next year and having a productive solid year, and we're going to try to back it up now, no doubt, but you just got to stay productive. Like I said earlier, and that's the con is there's some pressure to back it up. That's right. Well, well, hearing what you're just saying right now, if, if I had a sentence to say to you, I'd say, brother, just keep the tempo. Keep the tempo. <laughs> Keep the tempo. Keep yep. the tempo. All right. Uh, last question before we go to a quick break. Um, man, you you know, it's almost like uh, you, you win you win a big event. You win maybe not an event, but but you win a career status, right? Classic anger of the year. Uh, you've got some, you know, you you've got some momentum to have some clout, right? Yeah. Uh, some momentum to say, hey, look, you know, I'm. You know, I'm Kyle. What I, 
2023 angle of the year, this is what I think about, you know, where things are headed or what's going on in the industry uh, from a fan, you know, perspective or an angler perspective or just an industry knowledge perspective. Like you see all these things developing within the industry from a baits or or uh, techniques and these things that are happening. You're you're now, you know, where you'd like to be on the front end of this stuff. And, and you're excited about it. I see it already, obviously. Do you feel like Kyle Welcher has the ability or do you want the status to go into uh, a, a portion of this industry and say, hey, th- this is my thoughts and this is the way I want to try to push a direction within the sport of bass fishing? Yeah, you know, definitely. But, you know, all of us that are making – living in the sport the same i feel like i don't feel like just because you you've won stuff your opinion's that much more valuable than everyone else a a lot of these guys are super super smart i just feel like but you might be hurt you might be heard a little bit more than somebody else well and and that is true i mean that's definitely that's definitely the case you know guys like like kevin van dam he's he's won more than anybody his opinion is going to be valued the highest like it just it just is but you know i i definitely i've kind of been talkative with a bunch of other anglers and stuff like that and had my opinions out there before on a lot of issues and a lot of them aren't even really major issues just small little things that's a different way to think about it but i definitely think that a lot of the anglers should you know talk more and get a more of a direction for how we want to see the sport going and conservation going and like forward face of sonar is a big one like we're all uh, we're all talking about it right now and you know i definitely i've always been kind of opinionated so yeah i'm i'm definitely willing to you know, I got, my, I got one for you. Heard. I, I got one for you. Th- think about this. Think about where Kyle, if, if you agree or disagree or whatever. But man, I'm I'm tired of this four ounce penalty dead fish stuff. Hundred percent. It's terrible for the anglers. We're doing every, we're putting noodles, buying chemicals, doing everything we can possibly do, and uh, man, it alters some careers. Big with time. four ounce dead fish penalties. Now I understand. I'm not saying that it needs to be just wide open, but I could see where a guy in your position could take maybe a stance or a role in some of these processes, and uh, you know have uh, some some important uh, like EF Hutton. You know Kyle Wetz will speak. You know people listen a little bit, right? So uh, anyway, um, love love to see that man. Love love to see that, and, and great to hear that you're interested to be a part because I think your your opinion is is very valuable, obviously. Yeah. But uh, hey, I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna take a quick break. Um, Got to give a special thanks to Bass Pro Shops as an associate partner in this feature angler spotlight segment. Bass Pro Shops, once you remember, we all live downstream. Y'all stay tuned. We're gonna be right back with the second half of the interview with Kyle Welcher. Hang tight. Come on, man, let's roll! What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. 
Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. Kyle's out there at the boat ramp looking at the water. I see. You see any bait popping out there, dude? <laughs> Bam. There he is. We can hear you now. Heck yeah. uh, yeah. I was seeing you. I was. I, I know you're at a boat ramp in your truck, and you were looking out there. You see any bait fish popping? No. If I did, I'd be backing in right now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, hey, man, look, it's great to be back. Our second half of the interview with BASS Angler of the Year. 2023 mr kyle welcher kyle man looking ahead um what's your goals what what, do you do you set out certain goals you you know i I heard in in the mercer podcast was a great interview by the way um your first youtube video of the year uh your wife hunter she put something on there about angler like chasing angler of the year something of that nature uh do you I, I think that this is very powerful, and that's affirmations. Affirmations are very powerful. You hear about these things. I know that being in a lot of the uh, the guessing games that 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 you you know that we are into with bass fishing or in poker. I mean, if you don't believe, you, you're going nowhere. I mean, right. you if you don't believe, you're going nowhere. So, what what are some of the goals that you're looking to achieve? Uh, as you continue your career in the sport of bass fishing and, and how important do you think affirmations are like the one that maybe occurred at the beginning of 2023 that concluded in you being the angler of the year? You know, that just, it's just more confidence whenever you talk about stuff, you know, like if you say, I'm going to go do something, it just gives you more confidence. The problem comes from it when you set too big of goals for yourself and then you don't achieve them, if you get really down, it's almost better not to have those giant goals. But for me, I understand how hard these goals are to accomplish. Like if I didn't win AOI this year, I wasn't going to be heartbroken like at any point because these are things that you, can, you can't really control every part of it. So for me, it's just a lot of really small consecutive goals, like do the little things right. And that's why I like when I won AOI, I said on stage that I felt like I was closer to winning angler of the year than a regular tournament. And the reason for that is, is I've always felt like I was consistent at the fundamentals and doing little things right. And just not having terrible days very often, but it also seems like I don't have those giant days very often. You know, it's just, it's so hard to have those just monstrous days back to back to back to back and win a tournament. And for me and my style, that's just kind of the way that I do things is do the little things right, stay productive, and then let things fall where they may. But obviously the goals are to win elite series events and then win the classic. And I want another AOI. Now, all that does not have to happen next year. If it takes right. 10 years, that's fine. If it takes two years, that's fine. I'm just going to continue to work towards it as hard as I possibly can and, and thread the needle and do the little things right. You know, like that's that's my goals is to just – do the little things right over and over and over and over and, and improve, you know, like we can all improve a lot. Yeah. 
And that's that's the goal. That's the goal for the foreseeable future. All right, I asked this question. Actually, last episode we had a Rookie of the Year, Joey Fuentes, on. And, um, man, I, I love to get everybody's perspective on this, but I, I really want to hear your thoughts and your take that are the three most important aspects for a young or middle-aged angler that's working to just improve bass fishing, improve his performance. We all love to do well. That's when we're most happy. That's when it makes us the hard work feel good, right? I mean, when you, when yep. you do well. Um, what are the three most important aspects, in your opinion, for an angler today has to focus on to be the best bass angler that they can potentially become? Yeah. So if you're, if you're, you know, it's going to ch- alter a little bit if you're trying to fish local or if you're trying to, to, to make it as a professional, but the number one has to be to embrace your identity as a fisherman. Like you can't just like watch a video of Denny Brower and say, I'm going to go flip a jig in every tournament for the rest of my life. It's like, it takes a different like mentality for every single person is going to be a little bit different. So you have to embrace what you're good at and what keeps you engaged and keeps you having fun fishing. And then number two is if you want to try to make it, you have to put blinders on period. You can't listen to the chatter. You can't listen to people on YouTube talk about how there's no money in the sport and all this type of stuff and how hard it is to make it. And you're up against the odds. If you don't have forward facing sonar, you literally have to put the blinders on and say, I believe, and this is my dream. I'm going to do everything I can to achieve it. And that's what I did. You know, I I mean, that that's what you you just have to do. Like that's the guys who make it. The commitment level has to be 100% and you just got to have the blinders on. And then number, number three would be, I mean, it's just got to be as far as fishing goes, just fish the moment, fish the day. Like that's the biggest thing I hear. I see a lot of people that are, I would say, good fishermen, but mm-hmm. can't correlate their skill set into tournament results. Mm-hmm. It comes from not fishing the moment and kind of getting locked in what was happening in practice or, you know, the, the average angler, sometimes they have to practice two weeks ago. You know, they have right. to practice the weekend before their tournament because they sure. have to work, you know, and yeah. What they were biting seven days before, I mean, what they're biting at six o'clock in the morning sometimes is not the same as what they're biting at eight o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. So you just can't get locked into practice. Like you just have to fish the moment. So th- those three things to me are, are very important concepts to, to be successful in fishing. Very good. Very good tips. All right. Man, that Elite Series schedule popped out. <laughs> yeah. it, it came alive and uh, it, might, it might tap into some of your perceived poker time this fall but uh and winter but man let's talk about it a little bit man you got a lot of familiar fisheries on the schedule um the biggest change time of year and a lot of and a lot of the the uh if if you look at it you know from a brief perspective um what kind of changes will affect your approach in these fisheries you know, in time of year, like do areas of the lake kind of stay the same for you that you've kind of dialed in the past? Do you, do you go pre-practice and relook at everything? What, what's, what's your strategy now that that 2024 schedules out to kind of get that tempo going for 2024? Yeah. So I'm definitely probably going to pre-practice some of them, you know, going to obviously Florida in April, I've never made a cast in Florida in April ever, you know, so it's going to be different. The fish are going to be hardcore postponed and I've never fished 
in Florida when they're post-spawn. We, we go every single year, pre-spawn and spawn. January, February, yep. yeah. So it, it's going to be different, going to be unique. I think it's going to be a lot more consistent. There's going to be a lot more consistency. Now, finding them is probably going to be harder because when, when the fish move offshore, and that's assuming there's, there's, there'll probably still be some spawn and there'll be some that are completely post-spawn, shad spawn, brim spawn, all that stuff will be going on. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to be the later we go in the year, the more consistent the bite that you're on will be for days to come. Like pre-spawn and spawn, when they're on bed, they're fairly consistent. But early in the year in Florida, cold fronts change everything. You get into April, May, what you found in practice is still going to play a pretty good bit. Like that's yeah. just how that, – that's just a lot of the time it's going to be like that. But Toledo Bend, Fork. I'll probably go pre-practice Toledo Bend because I've never been there, and I know that navigation is a big issue there. So I like to really go pre-practice lakes that are going to make me waste a lot of time. Like Lake Fork's like 17,000 acres, I think, or maybe it's 27,000 acres. Either way, it's not a very big lake. Right, right. So – and I've been there three or four times. I don't really feel like I need to pre-practice that one. I just got to figure out exactly what they're what they're doing that time of year. Toledo Bend, big lake. Hard to maneuver, hard to get around. Just going and having the confidence that I can run this lane. I can run this lane so I can go check this and check that and check this. That helps a lot because when you have to idle a lot in practice, it just eats up so much time. So it's definitely going to be a lot of research on other tournaments and tournament weights that time of year. Things that played, you know, the moon phase, if you believe in that for brim beds and stuff like that. A lot of that's going to factor in. But the areas that play are the areas that play every single time like that's just where they live like on lake fork there's a couple little zones where their big ones just live you know and that i don't expect to be any different this time harris chain i feel like there's certain lakes that play certain times of the year and i feel like that's just how it's going to be so you know a lot of research before we go is going to be one of the biggest things for me and then i'll pre-practice some of them so so in your pre-practice time you hear a lot about anglers don't want to pull a rod out of the box and and, um, you know, it's a navigational thing. And, and I hear a little bit of that from you. Do you like to get out there and fish a little bit? Are you looking for spots? What, what I mean by that, like, will you look for some maybe brush on a specific body of water if you think that that's going to play that time of year or ledges or obviously you're not going to find uh, brim beds or something like that. But, yeah. but uh, are you looking for things that you can go back to and fish? in practice or is it pretty much just total familiarity with the with the impoundment in general yeah so it it, it will definitely be a little bit of both okay. i want to find stuff I, obviously you want to be smart about you know you don't want to find them on a flat-sided crankbait bite in, <laughs> right. in january when you're going to be there in june you know that's right. not going right. to be that's not smart but a lot of times so like i pre-practiced seminole this year and i caught them in practice down the exact same stretch in pre-practice, down the exact same stretch I weighed in most of my fish on the tournament. You know, nice. whenever you find, whenever there's lakes that are very consistent across the board, whenever you find something unique, it seems like they want to use it, don't matter if it's February, April, March, May, whatever. When they're on the bank and there's something unique to it, like there's a certain little grass mat that looks a little bit different, those types of things will play for months and months and months. Yeah. So, if I find unique stuff like that that I caught them off of in practice, I'm definitely going to check it. But if I find them pre-spawned on the side of a point, you know, I'm not going to check that, you know, at a different time of the year or, you know, I'm not going to depend on it. 
So, but I, I do fish. I feel like the more time you spend fishing, the more you understand fish behavior in that lake. And a bass is a bass. It's all the same everywhere we go, but every lake has little nuances to it that when you learn those, that's how you start to separate yourself from the field. So I do fish a, I fish a decent amount in practice. Like obviously if we go somewhere, if I'm pre-practicing February and I feel like it's going to be a brush pile bite, I'm just going to graph that yeah. time, you know, that time. It just finds me as I can. Sure. But outside of that, I'm going to fish a lot in, in pre-practice yeah. and just get familiar. Yeah. You know, I think it's a great point. And, and you hear two schools of thought on that. Um, like some anglers are like, man, if I caught a fish, I'd just be too amped up to go keep fishing that area or that, you know, run waypoints or something in, in the actual practice for the event. But uh, I feel like, you know, these lakes, they, man, you know, anymore, they just don't change that much. There's, there's 20 venues yep. that really support the sport and that organizations go back to all the time to get that support from. And, uh, it's not a whole lot of lakes you got to know in the country. So if you can get to know them better and better and better every year, you're on tour and, and spend pre-practice time and, and just get more intimate with those lakes. It's not like you're living on them and fishing them every day. You know, you, you know, you talk about uh, a home body of water advantage. It's a little bit different. When right. You're just going there for a week or so. You can learn a lot that really helps, helps play. And, and I like to hear that because I think that a lot of times when you hear, well, I'm just going to go idle and not fish. And then, and then other anglers try to emulate somebody and, and they're not doing their own dang thing. Right. And, and you're doing your own dang thing and it's, it's working for you. So I like to hear a lot of different perspectives on that. It's great stuff. And you've got six top tens. And your four years on the Elite Series, um, man, you know, you hear about your time is your time. Uh, you know, I agree to that to a perspective. But you've got to be in that top ten for the most part for maybe your time to come, right? Right. Um, and, and so you're consistently kind of getting in that in that stretch and, and, and having those high finishes. A lot of those, you know, really 11 to 12. 30 place finishes that seems to be like your real wheelhouse do you feel like now that you've hit this aoy uh trophy and 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 you've been this consistent guy and you even speak to you felt like you were in a better chance to win an aoy than in an, an event yeah will this change anything of your approach to try and tap an event win when it gets close maybe not you know before the tournament starts but when you kind of see a door open, do you feel like now you're in a better spot to uh, maybe make it your time? So I haven't had any like crazy epiphany where now I have a different <laughs> thought process whenever whenever I get close. I've, I've, I've had opportunities to win. I'd say four elites. I've had super, super solid opportunities to win. And just it just didn't fall my way, you know, right. and that's I've been really close to on four. But. You know, hopefully momentum is real, like people say, and the next one we get close to, you know, we, we can we can make it happen. But I don't really think you can change your thought process too much because what gets you there is kind of, you know, you if, you, if you're in the top 10, you're already catching them pretty dang good, you know. So right. you don't want to make too crazy of adjustments. I've made some, like I've did some things that were super risky on day four, and I've had it work out decently not not to a win though you know so 
I just kind of make adjustments for there. You know, in poker, a lot of times, whenever you get to a spot, your plan for the hand is to evaluate. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to, whenever the turn card comes, I'm going to check, evaluate. And that's kind of what I think of in poker is whenever we get to that, to that instance, we're just going to evaluate. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to see what we think is our best course of action from here. And that's kind of the thought process that I have every single day in these tournaments. So I'm hoping momentum gets us a little closer, but you know, I don't have any different thought process going into them. So you feel like that's a real thing though. You see that in poker, you see that in fishing when a guy starts to win some hands, win some events, Yep. Kind of really get the what 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 the hell is that, man? What I mean, you you felt it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. What do you think is is that just confidence? Is it mental? Is it just luck? Decision making process? You picking the right A versus B choice? What is it? Yeah. It has to be. I think it's a a mixture of all of them. You know, like okay. whenever you're in the middle of that momentum, your confidence is unbreakable. Like it's literally, you don't like you fish for an entire year or an entire tournament. You don't second guess yourself one time, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that we all struggle with at times. So your confidence is at such an elevated level that it makes it so much easier for you to accomplish goals and have really good results. And then a little bit of lucky breaks, things going your way, you know, and then that, that's kind of whenever those two things mix, that's whenever you're really, really dangerous and for whatever reason, it's really streaky. You know, you see it happen. You see guys, you had Safuentes on, win two in one year. That's that's not that's not sustainable. You know what I'm saying? For like it's not like in 10 years he's gonna be have won 20. Not right, that he's right. not that he's not good enough to. It's just not a sustainable thing. But whenever it's all clicking and it's all going going right, it, it, it feels easy, you know. Yeah, but yeah. it's just because it's a mixture of all things that are happening at once. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. That was a good word right there. Man, Kyle, I really appreciate you taking time uh, to visit with us here again on Bass Edge Radio. It's been a few years, but uh, we we knew it was coming back around. So, so, again, I I appreciate you being here. You got any final closing thoughts for the listeners uh, before we, you know, I'll let you go. uh, And and we're going to get into some of my closing thoughts here on this this, uh, September 15 episode. You know, I think we covered a lot of a lot of stuff, so I'm all good with it. All right, man. What uh, what's your YouTube? So so folks, you what what is the? Let, let's talk about this real quick before I let you go, because I want to drive some people to your YouTube channel. I think it's a great channel. Uh, you've done a lot of educational things in the past. Now you're doing a lot of tournament stuff, and and uh, what what's the primary basis of your YouTube channel from a entertainment perspective? So for me. Everything's more fun whenever, like everything's better whenever you're having fun doing it. And it seems like if I do the same thing too much, I get a little bit burnt out. So it's, I like to have a mix of everything. Like we okay. just put a video last week where it's me and my buddy just like acting dumb, you know, and it, it ended up doing super, super well. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, that, that was good. You know, the tournament stuff, that's what, if I'm going to watch something on my own channel, I watch the tournament because I can remember how it felt in the moment, right. you know. But uh, it's a mix of all of it, you know, but my YouTube is just Kyle Welcher and it's kind of whatever we're doing at the time revolving around fishing is kind of what we film and what we post. But definitely the educational stuff is I like doing that a lot. 
you know, that that's what we're going to be doing the most for the next six months, probably until the tournament start back up. How much do you learn from watching yourself on your own YouTube channel? Oh, uh, like I've, I've learned a lot. Like I went back and I couldn't remember exactly where I got a certain bite or something from. And I didn't make a waypoint. And I'll go back and, you know, triangulate it between the bank and exactly where the bed fish was sitting. Like I've done that a few times. And then like whenever I have a bad tournament, I'll go or I lose some, like if I, I give myself two fish a day. If I lose two fish, that's within the, that's within the realm of reality. If I lose more than that, it's a bad day. So I've had those days we all have where it's like half the ones you hook just come off or three quarters of the ones you hook just come off. And I go back and I watch that and just see if I did anything wrong. Like if I did anything fundamentally wrong on my hook set or yeah. anything. So I go back and watch that a lot. And then a lot of times it's just, man, you're going to lose them sometimes, you know, that's just, that's just the, the case. But right. so I, I do go back and watch it for a lot of that type of stuff. And then up there on the great lakes running that big water, just go back and watch it and see how crazy it looks on camera. Like I, I do learn a lot from, from watching myself though. That's awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, we're going to continue to watch you in 2024. Congratulations, dude. Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Kyle Welter. Thank you. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for being on Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for having me. We're going to be right back. I'm going to have some closing thoughts on the September 15 episode. Y'all stay tuned. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champions. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Hey, 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 here we are, back, closing out. The September 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio. Had a lot of fun chatting it up with uh, Mr. Angler of the Year, Bassmaster 2023, Kyle Welcher. Uh, dude, Kyle always brings goods. Love his perspective. Uh, always enjoyed uh, following him, watching him on his YouTube channel. Man, a couple things I really think we should break down is, uh, man, he's, he... Kyle, like like many successful professional anglers, uh, he he's got a he's got a, a flow, you know, like a feel, and and it's and it's positive, a real positive feel. Even when he talks about you know some things that happen that are negative that goes on uh, throughout his you know tournament year or throughout his career, man, he's always using that piece of the puzzle to create a better outcome. For the future man i think that's a big key uh you know we've talked about um confidence uh i gotta bring up we haven't talked about this in a long time but the psychology of exceptional fishing you know really important process 
to have the psychology and information mentally you need to be successful on the water. Um, Dr. Jay McNamara talks about this. We have a book available at BassEdge.com. Um, Kyle talks about this as well, man. Talks a little bit about momentum, how these things start flowing, and then also at the same time, just, you know, how I, I, that key word, man, a confidence or a decision-making process that's unbreakable. You believe in that process. You believe in that decision. That's going to make you more successful. Then he talked a little bit too, which we really talked about a lot here in the past at Bass Edge Radio, is angler identity. Kind of understanding your own feel, your own process, your own steps and strategy to success. And, and one of those things for him that has been really successful throughout even before a lot of the fishing changes that have happened in the last four or five years are tempo. He has a tempo that he feels comfortable with. And when he gets in that groove and kind of gets in that tempo, that confidence stays high and he's able to push through and, and generally have, you know, a good outcome for a tournament performance. Um, the other, th a lot of little tidbits here in this interview. The other little tidbit was how to utilize your maybe perceived downtime in an event. You know, you might learn that there's a hot bite in the morning or a hot bite in the evening he talked about, but how does he stay productive in what he considers could be a lull period of the day? Maybe get more aggressive, maybe increase the, the aggressiveness of how you're attacking the fishery. Uh, maybe, you know, run somewhere a little, fish a different style of cover or structure during that time of day to try to, you know, increase productivity. Maybe it's not going to be your most productive time of the day, but it's going to have some continued productivity throughout the day that is needed to ultimately have a, a most successful day. So, man, a lot, a lot of great stuff there from Kyle and uh, enjoyed that interview a whole lot. Watts Bar, Bassmaster Open, going on right now. Um, it's going to end up this Saturday. Again, that second event, big time. We're going to really see how this dials in. I think you're going to have about 20 anglers in the hunt after this seventh event who have the ability to make the 2024 Bassmaster Elite Series. I'm going to be heading down to the Potomac River, trying to rebound off a couple less less than good performances uh had a good top 10 early this year at lake havasu trying to rekindle that uh down here on the potomac river so this is my last uh toyota series of the year should be a lot of fun um it's going to be a tough bite it is it's september it's going to be tough everywhere you're going to watch watts bar is pretty tough too so uh the this final Toyota Series division it will of the northern side will determine those 25 anglers that are going to the championship. Then you got the uh, Plains division over at Lake of the Ozarks. That's the third and final tournament of that series going to happen at the end of the month. So we'll be able to talk about both of those tournaments at the October 1 episode. And, of course, we'll break down a little bit of this Watts Bar event that's going on right now as well. But then, man, shooting into October, we'll talk more about this. But that eighth event's going to be at the Harris Chain. And then, man, the ninth event's not until November. So we have a lot of, of uh, time in there between those couple of events. And it always slows down a little bit in the fall. 
lot of folks get in the woods. Are you going to be getting in the woods or are you going to be staying out on the lake? It's a great time to be on the lake because there's a lot of people in the woods. So hopefully everybody can stay out there fishing. But I uh, obviously want to be big shout out to uh, Kyle Welcher again for taking his time to be on the show. Be sure to tune back with Bass Edge Radio. New episode, October 1. We're going to be studying some of the fall fishing strategies that we've been seeing through these last couple of events. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you log on to BassEdge.com for all your needs. But adios. We're going to see everybody next time right here on Bass Edge Radio. Light up. It's been enjoyable. Let us know. Enjoy the show. You want to see somebody else? Comment below. I want to hear your thoughts. Y'all take care. We out.